You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sunday morning, and I am talking, so that means you're listening to the Sunday Side Session, brought to you by Husker 24-7. And this Sunday, we get a breakdown of Nebraska's 34-3 loss to Michigan. So who better to bring in than a man that I can go to any topic on the planet, because that sounds more exciting to talk about, than Nebraska football. And that would be Gary Sharp, the host of Gary and Friends, the voice of the Omaha Mavs basketball team. Uh, you'll see him out and about at Polly's and, uh, in Omaha and, and other establishments. Gary, where else can people find you? Uh, they can find me sitting in my, uh, den right now, my little office. Yeah. Yes. Why, why wasn't I on after Indiana or Rutgers? Why do you have to be on after a 34, three bully fest? You want the, you want the troop? Yeah. You, you answered the text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so people don't know this. You sent me a text this morning. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, is this to the wrong person? No, you're on, uh, you're on the side session. You're in. <laughs> Go grab your camera. <laughs> you're, uh, you're Logan Smothers <laughs> filling in for Chubba Purdy right now. Get your helmet. Oh, We're putting you in. All man, right. That is bizarro world, That the whole quarterback situation. But I'm wondering after looking at first – who was on the travel roster yesterday that you had a walk-on from Hastings make the trip? Logan Smothers doesn't come out in the first round of quarterbacks where they throw a lot on air to wide receivers and stuff like that. He doesn't come out until the second one. Purdy starts, probably not a surprise. It wasn't to me. And then what they did with him when he finally came into the game and then what Mickey said afterwards is, wow, if there wasn't enough stuff going on this week, Shafe, now we got – Who's going to play quarterback? I mean, we, well, we, have no, we have no idea who's going to play quarterback this week. I mean, wasn't there a report that he was sick and then Mickey was asked about it and he wasn't one of the guys that was sick and then he, he'd he been banged up, I guess. So maybe they were trying to, you know, they didn't they didn't think he was going to be comfortable enough to go, but then Chubba gets hurt and so he gets thrown in. He didn't look particularly good either, but I don't think anybody was going to look particularly good on Saturday against Michigan's defense. I just – I will say this. If Mickey Joseph wants the Nebraska job, the last three weeks of how the quarterback has been handled has probably sunk a lot of confidence that people might have had in him for that job. And I understand it's not all him, but ultimately he is the head coach and he has been pretty fond of saying everything that happens on the field is a result of of him as a leader. And while that accountability is good to hear when people want to hear it at the same time 
when it's obvious that it hasn't worked with Chubba Purdy and they're not trying something else, like this is what gets fan bases all worked up about stuff when it's a full-time head coach. So for it to, for it to be the interim guy and, and for Nebraska to again, start Chubba Purdy. And again, he had a, he had his best drive was the opening drive. You know, his best drives were drives where he had to scramble three times to get first downs. Like that's, that tells you, you can't run a real offense. Yeah. And it, it didn't, you know, sure, they played Michigan this week. A better quarterback or, a, or a, a better run offense could have moved the ball on the last two defenses. Minnesota and Illinois, for as good as their defensive numbers look coming into those Nebraska games, have been exposed since then. And we're being in the process of being exposed by Nebraska during those games in which they didn't ultimately finish the job. So I, I don't really understand the idea of dying on that hill unless – Logan Smothers was that impacted that you felt like he wasn't going to be able to give you that much. But then the whole weirdness surrounding who's warming up and who's even there and like Heinrich Harburg can't get on the travel roster. And I guess it's just being completely buried at this point about any chances of them playing this year, though he was your number three quarterback last, like none of this makes any sense, Gary. Like I, I don't, I don't get it. Like it's just, it doesn't, Nothing about it lines up. And then you hear Mickey talk after these games and, and he's even contradicting the thought process that goes into what was happening in the first place. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's yet another reason why I'm, I'm looking forward to the end of this season in a way that I don't know that I ever have while covering this team. Well, I think there's a lot of people with you. Uh, They were so disjointed offensively from who was going to play at quarterback, the key position, how they were going to attack Michigan. I mean, I, I know it was kind of the Bill Callahan trip to USC, get in, get out, don't get anybody injured, but you maybe got one of your quarterbacks injured and, you know, he's on crutches at the end of the game and Chubba Purdy. I just, I, I wonder from this standpoint, and, I, and I'm trying to figure out the why with the decision on the quarterbacks and what they want to do, is that Whipple is so, uh, I guess we'd say stubborn, uh, that this is the offense that we have and we're not going to change the offense and going to Logan Smothers. But my counter argument is, if you look at what you think Chubba Purdy was strong at, you t- mean to tell me that Logan Smothers hasn't done the same thing or exceeded that? I just think Chubba's in a position now where the quarterback development and his mechanics are not there. I yep. mean, you can talk about decision-making and throwing the ball in the double coverage, that kind of stuff, but his mechanics are not very good. And especially when he's out of the pocket, I mean, it turns into Taylor Martinez throwing the football again. And you go, whoa, I've seen that before. So I don't know that it's fair to put him in that situation. And he's not helping you. And, and I, you know, and I, you know, guys are around the team every single day. So they see practice and then in the game. And I'm sure they're wondering, hey, who gives us the best opportunity to win? But like, like you and I have talked about and everybody else have talked about post-Michigan last night, is that game wasn't lost on Saturday the 12th of November. That game was lost in a lead up of of the offseason many, many years before that. It's just as much as you want to say, hey, what do you take away from a game like that? It's just another reminder how frustrating things are, because how many times have you said in the last couple of weeks, Shave, if Nebraska just had a competent offense, the defense is doing enough. Now, the defense is not overwhelming, but they haven't imploded where you're looking at a 50 burger on them. They've at least given you a chance on the other side of the ball to say, Hey, we're not completely out of the game. And that just hasn't happened. And it's just, it's a culmination of the whole season 
um, that, you know, is going to wind down in two weeks and it's, it's going to be a tough grind. I mean, uh, there's no more bowl to chase out there. You know, how many guys think that they're coming back next year playing for coaches that probably aren't coming back. It's that weird feeling again, going into Wisconsin, like last year, because before Wisconsin is when the offensive coaches all got fired. It's just, I don't know. We got to get this over. We got to get, got to get over and got to move on and make November's matter again. Even if, even if you lose that make games in November matter and, you know, be able to look like you're playing classic November football. I, I think that to me, one of the, the, the darkest comedy of this whole thing is that Nebraska went out and hired an offensive guru head coach to revamp its offense to sort of pull it into the the 21st century of spread offense and what everything's going to look like. And after 2018, Scott Frost had no answers, none. Because where I'm getting at with that is that for as much as I saw last night about how Nebraska isn't comparable to Michigan, I don't look at yesterday's Michigan team as significantly better than the one that went into Lincoln last year and barely won and probably shouldn't have won. Um, so then if if they're basically the same team, does that mean 2021 Nebraska was that much better than 2022 Nebraska? Because I, I don't even know if that's necessarily true. So well, I, I thought 21 was 21 had more talent. They were older, of course, than uh, 20. Sure. I, I think it's it, it's a it's coaching malpractice that that football team last year only won three games. Yeah, so was, I, I completely agree. There was enough talent there. I, I think what is also like comparing it to Michigan is from the standpoint of Michigan doesn't do anything fancy. Michigan actually is very simple in what they do. Yep. Now they are loaded with bullies up front on both sides of the ball. They have elite pass rushers. And they have in their skill guys, they have some really good players, especially a running back, but they don't have an overwhelming quarterback. I thought their wide receivers weren't very good yesterday. I thought Nebraska did a good job of not allowing separation. But Michigan just runs. Look at all the counter they ran. And I would run counter against Nebraska's defense. They've had trouble there. But it's all very simple stuff. They just execute it very, very well. And they get going downhill and they get that five-yard push. That's the part of yesterday that is frustrating because it's not like, Teams that are beating Nebraska are overwhelming them with things. Nope. They are beating them on the chalkboard. No, they're just doing simple fundamental things that Nebraska on the other side can't execute. And you're that far into this that that's not the case. Even with some talent at some positions and not enough depth at other positions, that's the frustrating part that makes you wonder when you flip to 23 shape, how big of a lift is it in that area to get Nebraska back to just playing simple, sound football that is fundamental, good football IQ, and then you factor in, okay, we got the physical part of it, the mindset that you're going to be able to get off blocks and you're not going to get squeezed and all those kind of things. I I, I wonder if the lift is a little not, – not saying you can't compete for a bowl game next year, but the lift with internally and on-the-field stuff is going to be pretty big – um, for that eight, nine months leading up to the start of the season? Well, I think we've just seen a three-week run where you didn't see exotic. You just saw simple. You saw teams that have an established identity in Illinois, in Minnesota, and Michigan. And those identities are all pretty similar. We're going to feed our workhorse running back. We're not going to have our quarterback put us in bad positions. They're going to make the, the right throws when they need to make the right throws. 
and we're going to rely on our defense to keep us in games if the offense needs a little bit of time to start working and wearing people down, and we're going to win the second half. All three of those teams are built to win the second half. Nebraska, as long as, you know, in the last five years, has not been built to win the second half. They've been built to put on a show, and they're not putting on a show anymore. And they're not, they don't have anything to fall back on because there was no established identity. Yeah. And so we, you, you go back to that Purdue game and they kind of struck gold because it was like, all right, they can't cover our best wide receiver. We're just going to have to score as quickly as we can, hope that their offense makes a mistake and we can win in a shootout. Yeah. And they were able to at least take it to that level. But against these other teams, they couldn't dictate anything. And, and once, I guess that's not necessarily true, early in the game they dictated, late in the game they're just trying to hang on. Yeah. And I, I think Nebraska has to figure out, you know, whoever its next coach is hopefully has that mentality that they're winning the second half. Because I, I just – you look at these Big Ten teams that Nebraska plays, Iowa's that way, Wisconsin's that way, Illinois's that way, Minnesota's that way. And I'm not even saying they have to have the same style of offense and the same sort of boring-ass football. They don't have to do that. But the mentality shift has to be go from we're putting on a show to, you know, we're going to go win a football game. We're going to go to exert ourselves on somebody else and we're going to go win this damn game. Like they don't have that mentality. Yeah, and it, that's not a that's not a knock on Mickey Joseph either. That's just baked into the fabric of this program right now. Yeah, they, they you know, it's instead of, you know, when Mickey early in the week says, hey, three, four yards per carry is a good thing. And we're eventually going to get to third down, and it's going to be a short third down. We're going to get another three yards. We're going to keep the ball moving instead of putting on a circus every day. And you would think that the program would have learned as you've gone through enough battles against teams in your own division in in November and how to win your own division that that's the kind of style you got to play. Nebraska didn't have the talent of Ohio State, but it wasn't it interesting either leading up to this week or yesterday, some of the things that Mickey said because we all wonder, okay, if if Mickey Joseph is involved at Nebraska. And he has a say, what do you think he's pushing as an offense? I think he's looking at Michigan and that's what he wants to be. That kind of an offense where you get a premier running back, you get a good wide receiver, solid quarterback, but you're built up front. And and those guys are getting pushes and they're mauling people. And it's, you slowly start to wear people down. And it's like that anaconda where you, 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 Get on your prey and you wrap it up and you squeeze it. And that third and fourth quarter, that other team is demoralized. And by then, those three, four-yard runs have already gotten to eight, to 12, to 20. It's just, it's it's kind of, it's been lost on offense. And I yeah. think it also has trickled down to whatever your identity is, that also impacts your development on what you want guys to do and what guys you're going after and all that. It's just a culmination of things that in two games, you hope that you can cleanse a lot of stuff and slowly start to establish that. Um, But there's no guarantees, of course. No, there's really not. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, let's talk about a couple defensive guys that uh, should give Nebraska fans reasons to be excited. I mean, th- these conversations are significantly harder now because of the existence of the transfer portal and these 45-day windows and whatever it is. Because I think, well, here's, I am positive that Ernest Hausman will be on next year's team. I don't think he's going anywhere. <laughs> Malcolm Hartzog, however, I mean, I, I expect that he'll be at Nebraska because he has the opportunity to play. He's putting up good film. There's no reason to jump into the transfer portal. Uh, but these are two freshmen that have gotten a lot out of the sort of baptism by fire for them over this season. And I think with Hartzog, we saw it a little bit earlier than with Hausman, but yesterday was maybe the best game of Ernest Hausman's career. And it was probably the most eye-opening for Nebraska fans because that's kind of what a Big Ten linebacker should look like. Like physically, he looks apart already. He's starting to play with a little bit of um, confidence that I don't know that he had when he was facing North Dakota and Georgia Southern and kind of thinking too much. Um, And now you're seeing that sudden burst. I mean, this is a guy that could be a really exciting player down the line. And for as much as yesterday was a terrible viewing experience for all involved, for a guy like Ernest Hausman to get those reps against Michigan, to get those reps against those big-ass offensive linemen and, and you know, the tight ends and have to work against Blake Corum and those kinds of players, that's super valuable experience for a guy that I think, you know, Barrett Rude keeps talking about him as a shiny car. I think people in that program over there think this, the potential is really, really high for Ernest Hausman, and Saturday was an example of why they think that. You know what? And I absolutely agree with you. And you got to remember, he's less than a year from playing at Columbus High School. And right. he hasn't played a ton of ball in his lifetime. So, he hasn't played a ton of inside linebacker. So like, that's the thing. And and it's, you know, they, they introduced him early. And so he got out on the field and you saw that he was a true freshman. And he got exposed. But that was probably some of the good stuff early on. Because then he he basically got benched. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay. You've been out there where the game is sped up and you get to see game speed. Now come watch it from the sidelines. And the Nick Henrich injury is kind of a blessing in disguise because look at all the valuable snaps now that Hausman has got since that Purdue game. And he's been put in situations that are going to stress him. And I thought yesterday, I mean, you do ride the roller coaster still, but I thought yesterday the game started to slow down for him. Now, the physical part uh, in terms of his size is going to come in another a full season of uh, conditioning. But I thought the football stuff has been able to get into the right fit. Now he's going to have to work to get off of blocks, but his football IQ and being able to wrap up when he gets to the ball carrier, I think it's come a long ways in a short amount of time. And so that's a positive for next year. And, you know, there's the unknown of what kind of a defense it's going to be, but at least some guys, some younger guys on the defensive side have gotten to play some valuable snaps over the last three, four weeks that I think are going to benefit Nebraska. If they all decide to stay going into next year where you can walk in and go, okay, where is our strengths? And let's see if we can work on that before we build some other stuff that will help us get off to a good start next year. And I think you're looking at in the back end of that defense that, hey, there's some possibilities that you could be pretty strong back there with a with a, a new defensive system and using those guys' talents to take them to where they've jumped under Bill Bush to that next level they jump at. Well, you that back seven, I mean, uh, almost all of it is coming back. 
uh, in theory. I mean, we don't, again, we don't know what it looks like in the portal. We don't know what exactly the defense is going to look like, but none of them are seniors. So you're, you're getting a lot of, you know, we, we talk Ernest Hasman and, and Malcolm Hartog there. Marquis Buford from the first game against Northwestern to where he's at now, much better player. Yep. Um, Isaac Gifford continually impresses me. Like I, I think he's been a guy that, you know, he has his ups and downs. Like it's not perfect, yeah. but he's going to use this season to catapult himself going forward a lot like his brother Luke did when, you know, and, and I, I joke with him about this, but like his first moment of welcome to Nebraska football, he was on the bottom of the damn Hail Mary pile against BYU. Yeah. He was in coverage on that play. Yeah. I mean, he like, so you, these guys, we always want to believe that they're going to come in and they're going to just flash immediately and they're going to be good right at the beginning. But sometimes like we get the opportunity to glimpse and watch them grow a little bit as young players. And you're frustrated early because yeah, Ernest Hasman should have picked up that crossing route or Marquise Buford shouldn't have bid on that play action or whatever it is. Now we're starting to see at the end of a long season where things aren't great, why it still matters if they're playing these games, why these reps still have a ton of value. And I think Bill Bush deserves a ton of credit because some of it for some of this maturation and growth was the simplicity of taking out some of the checks. Like that was a defense in 2021 that was super veteran and Eric Shenander could call all sorts of things and they knew how to get to where they needed to be. The the mistake coming into this year is they probably had too much on their plate early on. They weren't able to make those necessary checks and it put them in a bad spot. Instead, they're playing a lot of base, a lot of simple, go get the guy with the ball, go stop the guy with the ball, go stop the ball in the air. And it's allowed younger guys to sort of flourish to now you can put a little bit more on them. Of course, the the sad thing is you're probably not going to be building off of that same system. So they're going to have to start over next spring. Yeah, I I agree with you about. So think about this defense with this personnel. If there wasn't so much pressure on Nebraska to win that first game or to get off to a great start, and you're Eric Chenander, and you're thinking, man, my defense, we we got to pick up the pace. And you're right. Last year, because there are so many checks in Chenander's defense, if you ever hear him explain his defense as you watch film with him, he'll say, hey, we got to check to this. We got to check to that. Well, that's great when you have a bunch of five- and six-year players up front and in the back end that can get guys aligned, that there's more guys with knowledge on the field in 21 than there were not. So if a guy looks out of position, Williams or Dismuke in the back can go, no, you got to be right here. Well, if you weren't pressured to win right away and you know that you have a bunch of young guys on defense, man, if you adjusted and said, hey, we're going to cut down the checks, we're going to simplify things, do they get off to a better start on defense instead of guys' heads are spinning and they're like, well, I've I don't know what I'm doing. That guy's out of position. I got to do his job and I'm not doing my job, but that's in the past. What Bill Bush has done, you're, you're right, Shafe. I mean, you know, Bill Bush has kind of proven to everybody and he's not, he's not reinventing the wheel. They're putting guys in better position. They're letting them just go make plays as you alluded to. I mean, he's found the key for this defense and that's what's frustrating over the last couple of weeks is they've given you at least a chance. There's never been that like yesterday. You know, even though 34-3 seemed like a mile apart, there was never that moment where the defense just fell apart and you thought, oh boy, here comes 50, here comes 60. They're, the runs by quorum are getting longer and longer. They weren't necessarily the case. And, you know, the, the problem yesterday with defense is they didn't put Michigan into enough third down situations. 
you know, Michigan wasn't facing third down very often. But if you're telling me you're going to the big house to play against Michigan and you're only going to give up a little over 400 yards and Quorum's going to get his usual and you're only going to give up 34, you're probably walking out of there feeling, you know what? Okay, what do we do on offense? Well, I've only scored one touchdown since Casey Thompson went down. So it's it's just a culmination of all this stuff. But 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 the defense, I, I think there is there's some things to look at and go, okay, we've got some starting points over there. How now do we supplement them? Because you look at a lot of program shape that are popping in year one or year two of coaches before the offense gets up to speed. It's usually that defense that is making plays that keeps you in games and then allows your offense to grow, you know, behind the scenes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I agree with with all of that. I'm trying to think, are there guys on the offensive side of the ball that have flashed a little bit for you later in the season? Obviously, A.J. Allen, we lost early in the year. That's someone everyone's excited about. And, you know, it's no joke. You say these comments and there's truth behind it. That's, to me, the single biggest running back recruit Nebraska has in this cycle, regardless of who the coach is. So how that plays out, we'll see. Anybody besides A.J. Allen pop up so far? A little bit of Alante Brown for me. And yeah, that's you know about what? it. So Alante Brown has kind of been hit or miss the last couple of weeks, not on his play, but if he's involved. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we've all, he's one of those guys that we've all wondered, okay, he shows you enough. Now, what's his role in the offense? And we all thought probably his thought his role would be a little bit bigger this year. But, you know, he got hurt yesterday, but I like how they've used him. He's a guy that I think is someone to latch on to. But, you know, on that side of the ball, there's really no young guys that are yeah. getting reinforcements. Even, you know, we we thought Lutovsky would get more reps as a young guy. But he did. And then now he's not getting those reps. So that's where I, I kind of, again, lead towards defense of next year, maybe being your strength, unless you just add through the portal or you hit some home runs and you add guys that can walk on the field. There's no real young guys that are like getting an opportunity. Um, and but, but will we see that in the last two games on that side of the ball? I mean, yeah. you know, will, will, will we will we see uh, Emmett Johnson so he doesn't have to tweet about, hey, I'm still here. And, you know, <laughs> you know, do they say, hey, you know, here you go, Mr. Freshman running back from Minnesota. I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where how do you piece together the last two games of the season with guys that maybe putting stuff on tape for the new coach or putting on tape something on tape for their future home. It's going to be that weird balance where you still want to play against two teams that, you know, in a crappy season, if you walked away and said you beat either Wisconsin or Iowa, I mean, you might go, okay, that's nice. We hung in there. You never know. Remember last year, we thought going to Madison, uh-oh, here you go. Nebraska hung in that game. Then they turned yep. around in a short week and they were ahead of Iowa. So with this program, who the hell knows? Well, the, the one thing they kind of have, if you can get to this mentality, is, okay, your season might be done, but you can spoil the Big Ten championship for Iowa. If Iowa goes and beats Minnesota, they're the front runner for, for going back to the Big Ten title game. And, I mean, that's not a good offense. That's not a great team. Like, that's someone that, you know, and, and you look at Wisconsin. Like, I've looked at that Wisconsin game for about two months now and thought, Nebraska should win this game. It's at home. It's a bad quarterback that's going to make mistakes. Nebraska's defense, I think, can match up pretty well. Now you got Braylon Allen in his own head with all these different transfer rumors going on. And and Jim Leonard, who I think is going to be a train wreck as a head coach, but I'm excited to see Wisconsin do this, is going to comment on like I, there's something about that guy that just feels like it's going to go off the rails. And I'm I want to be there to see it. Uh and I, I think it's going to happen. I think he's going to be the head coach at Wisconsin. We'll see how that plays out. I mean, 
I I don't think this game is if if I knew that Casey Thompson was starting, I think Nebraska wins oh, yeah. on Saturday. I, I absolutely do. I don't know that he's going to play, but at the same time, if I'm Casey Thompson, if my hand feels fine enough, if you know that's the big thing, if he can grip the football, I don't know why he wouldn't play. I don't know what sitting out gets you at this point when you're 24 years old, your NFL aspirations are basically on life support. You're going to have one more year left of college football. And if you go into the transfer portal, you know who's not going to have his door beaten down? It's probably Casey Thompson. Like, I think he needs to prove to Mickey Joseph, to the next coaching staff, to whomever, hey, I should be the quarterback for this renaissance in 2023. Because with that defense behind me, if we get an offensive line coach that can help establish and get things going up front, we've got some running backs that we like. Like, we can win some football games next year. I want to be the quarterback here. And so if he's good enough to go, I hope he has that kind of mentality. I think that's what his mentality is like normally. Uh, and I hope we get to see Casey Thompson these next two weeks because I think Nebraska can win both of these games. But he's got to be healthy enough to play. I don't think they trust Logan Smothers of any kind of offense. So even if it's him by default, it doesn't feel like they're going to call any kind of game that's going to give them an opportunity to win. Um, and they got to get Trey Palmer back involved because yeah. that's been a, a nightmare for three weeks for him. Well, let, let me ask you about the wide receivers. Yeah, because he had he had an so he was targeted half of their passes yesterday. And he had, what, five catches for 12 yards? Yep. That, that Purdue game shape seems so long ago. But he has been now at the top of the scouting report. And, you know, Illinois roughed him up. And then you have the quarterback issue where, you know, you're not being able to throw the long ball where Trey Palmer can have success with. Is He's also had some key drops. So he had a drop yep. on a first down yesterday. Is that wide receiver room, since Mickey made the transition away from the wide receiver room, and wasn't with those guys every day. It's not like that wide receiver room has taken off. You know, they kind of stayed the same with Palmer and, and Washington. That shows you the impact of Mickey as a wide receiver coach. But yeah, the Trey Palmer post Purdue has been really unsettling because you thought he would be a guy that at least could bail you out. And again, I understand about the quarterbacks. You know, he's Casey Thompson's best friend. But I agree. The last two games for somebody who I don't think will be here next year, and he shouldn't come here. He, he should go on to the pros. You know, and maybe he's a second day draft guy late in the second day or early in the third. These two weeks are, if Casey is back, are the weeks to put on film for NFL guys to go, hey, with a good quarterback that can spin it, I can go and get open and we're going to be fine. I don't think he's ready for the NFL. I mean, if he's if he doesn't want to play at Nebraska, I think it would be best for him to go find somewhere else in college football to play because I don't. I don't think he runs routes well enough. I think there's still questions about his hands. I mean, he is incredibly fast. But when nearly, what, one-fourth of your entire production for the season comes against the worst secondary that you've largely played all year in a game plan where the idea was for you to just run go-routes the entire time? I mean, I think if you put on that film, like, he's he's a he's a good player. I still don't know that he's as good of a wide receiver, the totality of the position, as like a Samari Toure, who went in the seventh round. Samari Toure is not as fast, runs better routes, has better hands, was every bit as dangerous deep down the field. I, I now, agree. I, he had Adrian Martinez throwing him the ball for most of the year, so it's a little bit different. But but you're right about Torre. Torre was more the epitome of the wide receiver. Ran crisp routes, had good hands, um, got good separation. You know, Trey, Trey will give you that hit or miss. But I think in this situation, he's got a he's got a position coach and an interim head coach that's going to say, "Hey, you have an opportunity to go make some money." Somebody's going to take you because they're going to look at your speed. They're going to try and project you. And so this is an opportunity for you. But if not, if that door is open a little bit, 
Of course, he's a guy like right there with A.J. Allen, ironically, two guys from Louisiana, that you say, hey, just stick with us. Look at what the offense is going to be. Let us get that quarterback for you before you make any decision. And then we'll let you make your decision when we present what it could look like in 23 to you. I think that's the same recruiting pitch to Casey Thompson. If he at least gives you an indication that, hey, I'm not just I'm not walking out the door yet. Um, I'll wait. And you say, OK, this is what the offensive coordinator is, the head coach, the offensive philosophy. We see you. Do you see yourself having success to get to where you want to be? Yeah, those those conversations. I mean, this is you know this you're in the recruiting world. These are going to speed up pretty quick. Oh, yeah. That's, that's why that that transition to a staff is going to be so important in such a short amount of time. So you can prevent guys from making rash decisions and saying, nope, I'm in the portal. When you're like, whoa, 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 we'd like to have you. Let us at least show you what we're going to do. Yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right there. And that's part of why it's imperative that a coach, you know, I was on your show on Friday and I, I think you were surprised when I just randomly threw the day December 10th out there. But that's you can't get that deep into, into December without having a coach. I mean, that's part of what happens when you make the decision to fire your coach as early as Trev Alberts did is the expectation is you got in front of a game. You should have a coach named no later than the Wednesday, the first week after the season. Yeah. And if they do, that's going to give you an opportunity to immediately as a head coach and you put together who your offense coordinator or your quarterback coach, they're going to be able to talk to Casey Thompson right away. You got to have your running backs coach talking to AJ Allen and your wide receivers coach talking to Trey Palmer. This is where keeping Mickey Joseph or Brian Applewhite or Bill Bush on staff is really important because you need that relationship to help with these first couple conversations. Yep. If you're wholesale bringing in a brand new staff, you're going to lose more players. And I think I, that's I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah, and that, you know and that's the fear, and it's even in the the fear in North Stadium that people are around is guys on the current roster. If you do not have some familiarity, guys are going to be like, "Well, man, I don't want to go through this again. I'm going to be out the door." Um, but don't you think if you're pursuing the Nebraska job, whether you be internally or externally, you've thought about it for a while because probably you assumed that this job was going to be open. So in your head, you've basically put together your staff on yeah. paper of knowing that you've got to make a quick transition, that you hit the ground running, and you know who some of your key pieces are on your staff because you've had time to think about it. Um, because there's the other part of not only retaining guys that you want, but what about attracting guys that you want, whether they be flips for high school or guys that are still waiting that maybe have Nebraska on the radar but haven't committed to that school that's in front of Nebraska or quite simply the portal when it comes yep. to possibly a big name portal quarterback that is attracted by one of your hires on your staff, or you have the connection that says, Hey, I'm coming from X school. I think we can get that guy to come with me. Yeah. Well, I think we just outlined why Nebraska football is going to remain interesting all the way through Christmas <laughs> and then well, a little bit beyond. Well, I, I, I mean, it, it's kind of a, there's the anxiety, um, there's the excitement of what it's going to look like. Um, but whatever happens is when they announce the new head coach, they have to hit the, the ground running because they have to lead up to when guys return and you start that winter conditioning. I mean, your your number one recruit is not only internally, but gosh, aren't you going to have to have a strength and conditioning coach like right away? Like you're going to have to have that guy in-house and starts to go through everybody on the roster. 
you know, looks at body types, all of that stuff. Going back to a point you made about an Applewhite or Bush or a Joseph remaining on the staff, I think this is where the next phase of Nebraska football you will benefit because I think you will get honest assessments of guys that are on the current roster. Guys that can play, guys that are not knuckleheads, guys that can be assets, guys that maybe haven't played that you want to retain because there's something there. I think that information will be better for the new person taking over than it's been in the past. And also, I believe, Shafe, that you have an athletic director because he's been more involved in football, will have a better understanding of what's inside of that locker room and what the program needs. So if you're able to put all of those together, I, I think it can be a good situation initially for a new head coach to hit the ground running and not have so many, okay, what do we do here? Who's that guy? You know, all the questions that you normally have as a new head coach, you've got a big folder of a lot of information and you could have people that are there that know it intimately, that'll be honest with you. Can this guy play or cannot that guy not play? It, it sounds like you're making a case for a peaceful transition of power right there, Gary. Well, I, I, I think it's important to have at least some familiar, familiarity inside of the walls to at least be able to answer questions if somebody is brand new, you know, that doesn't know, hey, what kind of player is this guy? How did we recruit him? Or even in your own recruiting class, go, hey, what yeah, was huge. What was, what was the story about recruiting this blank player in the class of 23? Guys, the clock's ticking. We got two weeks to go. Can this guy play or not? Or why did we why did we give him a scholarship? You know, all of those questions. And then you have people there that can say, hey, this is the way it went. Hey, trust me. This guy's going to work out. I mean, I think all of that stuff will help instead of coming in completely blind. But you know how it is when you're new. If you are new, man, you you, you kind of want to cleanse a little bit, you know, and 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 what does that look like? And what is that transition like? Because some people's feelings will be hurt. Some people will be confused. Um, some people will be re-energized. Uh, it's. Buckle up for the next two weeks. This is what uh, Nebraska football is going to be like. And then, oh, by the way, you got to play two games against two teams that, you know, you consider a rival. Couldn't have set it up better. Gary, appreciate your time here on the Sunday side session. I appreciate it. Now I can go back to bed. And and, and maybe next time don't send me a text. You up? <laughs> I might. I might do that just because of that sure. joke right there. Hey, who's going to win the Big Ten West? Uh I think it's going to be Purdue. I think their schedule sets up the easiest. I think they're the least likely to drop one of these games. Iowa has to beat Minnesota. Minnesota has to beat Iowa. There's no other way in for either of them. Illinois would need I, – I think Illinois would – I think Illinois is out. Or they would, they would need Iowa to win out, Purdue to win out, Illinois to win out, and they have Michigan next. Yeah, we're just assuming that they're going to lose to Michigan, so they'd be yeah. out. So, I mean, it's a – it's a situation where I think you're going to see Aiden O'Connell and uh, and Payne Durham and and whoever else out there for Purdue. Devin uh, Mockaby, Charlie Jones. Hey, how about Charlie Jones? That'd be two straight years in the uh, Big Ten uh, West Championship game with two different teams. All right, Big Ten. So let's assume that Illinois now is, I mean, where they're starting to rack up Michigan State, Purdue. We don't think they're going to beat Michigan. Who's the Big Ten coach of the year? Because up until yesterday, it was Bielema. And maybe it still is Bielema. If, if or is it Purdue Harbaugh? wins the West, it's got to be Jeff Brom, right? God, can you 
can you give? I mean, a lot of people thought Purdue would win the West. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I, Jim, I don't know. Harbaugh, they weren't. Could Jim were still be the Big Ten coach of the year? I don't. I mean, depending on how it looks against Ohio State, watching that passing game on Saturday, if they're trailing by 10 points, are they going to be able to come back in a game? I don't know. And then on the other side, you wonder, is Brutus Buckeye going to have to be the running back in that game? Because they might have run out of running backs. Yeah. War of attrition, that Big Ten. <laughs> Welcome you know to who the- looks you know who looks pretty good, even though they have two uh double digit losses to Ohio State and to Michigan. Penn State is gonna be a top eight team by the time the season ends. I know. That kind of flew under the radar that they beat Maryland 30 to nothing yesterday. They have played one game this year that's been a one score game. One game. Wow. That was the opening game of the year against Purdue. Every other game they've won by double digits or lost by double digits. Yeah. Welcome to the Big Ten West. Come on down, UCLA and USC. <laughs> hey, UCLA fits right in. They just lost to Arizona. Hey, or, I mean, that's why, like, Washington and Oregon, I mean, come on. Come on over. We need that kind of football in the Big Ten. We need that kind of time zone. Keep people entertained. <laughs> we don't need the Pac-12 officials. We got enough trouble with Big Ten officials. Yeah. Amen to that. All right, Gary, appreciate it as always. Everyone, be sure to check out Husker 24-7. Plenty of coverage from that Michigan game if you can stomach it. Michael Brunts, Brian Christofferson, we're out there on the scene. They have stuff for you there. We'll be back with more podcasts during the week and, of course, more coverage leading up to Wisconsin. Coverage on the coaching search, coverage on recruiting, coverage on everything that you can find at Husker 24-7. We'll be back next week. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. Now, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.